The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Chiefs postgame show. Patrick Allen, Sterling Holmes, here to break down the Chiefs' dramatic 33-32 victory over the Cleveland Browns. Good day for some of the Chiefs, not a good day for Kay York over there in Cleveland. I have a feeling he's going to be the first cut. Well, hopefully it was tipped for his sake. He got injured early on. He came back in. Uh, very off topic, but I want to bring this up early on. The Chiefs are somewhat lucky they have Justin Reed, who is an emergency kicker. Now, he's not good by NFL kicker standards. I get that. But it's still nice that he can come in and make an extra point if need be. I know that's a really small storyline, but we saw it last year with Butker getting injured. Having that emergency kicker, pretty big. Yeah, I mean, if you've got an emergency kicker for extra points that can hit like 70% of them, that's that's not too bad. Um, He could make a short field goal for you. I mean, we know he can make a long field goal. It's just a whole different ball game. <laughs> and he probably could make one in a game. It's just the consistency that you need to have to be at the absolute best. But as, as an emergency situation, yeah, man, tag him in. He's done it before for the Chiefs. By the way, Sterling, I, I noticed you have a, a tasty beverage there. Oh, yeah, baby. Era Red Lager, Casey Birko. They brewed some more Era Red Lager coming out. Just came out, I believe, they're going to come out Friday. It's upcoming Friday. I got a little little sample beforehand. They were nice enough to give me some. But, yes, for the start of the Chiefs season, more Arrow Red Lager, Arrowhead Addict, and then the little collaboration. We helped brew this bad boy. The original batch yep. is back. Go get some. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, you know, we're, we're longtime friends of, of the folks at KC Beer Co. We did, as Sterling mentioned, collaborate on this uh, beer with them. That's our logo there. On the uh, the A, the A of the Arrowhead Lager. That's there it is. That's the Arrowhead Addict logo. Uh, so we're we're very proud of this collaboration and so happy for our friends at Casey Beer Co. that it was such a successful collaboration that it's now in the lineup, baby. Yeah, baby. Every year. Uh, so speaking pretty, speaking pretty, of lineup, yeah, we made the lineup for Casey Beer Co. Did Lamichael P. Ryan make the lineup in regards to the running back room? I mean. It's tough. You know, you saw generic Prince there at the end of the game, and he looked like he was running well, too. So, you know, when you look at the depth chart, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up, I think. But, yes, I think he showed enough to make the team, particularly, and we talked about this during the halftime show, his ability to catch the ball and be a receiving back as well is is valued in the West Coast offense and Andy Reid's offense. And, look, we love Jet McKinnon. He's the guy. He's the third down guy, no question. But he's not exactly a spring chicken. So if you're looking ahead to the future and you like LaMichael Pirine and he's shown you the ability on the ground and through the air, I think you've got to keep him on your roster because if you put somebody like that on a practice squad, especially with the way running backs get injured in this league, you might as well forget it. He's gone. He's going to be on another team before the end of the year. 
Well, I, I will say I think Daneric Prince has a pretty good chance of being put on the practice squad and going through. He was undrafted, right? Uh, undrafted for a reason, obviously. I think he has some talent, but the talent is very raw. You saw a couple runs in that second half, as you mentioned, with Daneric Prince. And you're like, where has this been all preseason? What you will say again, that's against the third stringers of the Cleveland Browns. You know, I like Daneric Prince in a nutshell as far as the talent, but I think he is raw and needs some seasoning. I think he seems to be a practice squad stash. Well, I do think when Michael Piron makes this roster, I know everyone's going to say Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Okay. Now, I think I would agree with you as far as maybe the least talented guy now on this roster might be the first round running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But the thing with him is, and you mentioned it, or you heard it in uh, Jarek McKinnon's interview, he he is ingrained in that in that team. He is such a good personality, and I get it. They're making a football team, not a comedy club. Right. I understand this, but being a good locker room presence, they look to him, the team trusts him. I think Clyde makes it whether we like it or not, and that leaves – in my opinion, generic Prince on the outside looking in. Yeah, and look, man, I think it's Edward Delaire's gotten a little bit of an unfair shake in that it just appears that he was he was overdrafted. He's an NFL running back. Like he has had very good games for the Chiefs. He's been productive for the Chiefs. He just doesn't live up to his draft stock. And so if he was playing all the snaps and playing against the Browns third stringers, he'd probably look like Barry Sanders out there. He's a talented, he's a talented back. I think he's got some some vision problems that hold him back a little bit. And obviously he's dealt with some injury issues as well. But he's on the last year of his contract. They owe him a, a little bit of money. Why? What's the point of cutting him? Yeah. You get some sort of crazy trade offer. Keep that veteran running back depth because there could be a time. I hope it's. I hope it doesn't come to pass, but there could be a time. All of us here are very glad that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is still on the roster later this season. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring up Amir Smith-Marset. I see everyone in the chat who's bringing his name up and appreciate everyone being here with us. Thank you guys so much for liking, hanging out, commenting. It does mean a lot to us, helping us grow this incredible community that we have, the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. But when it comes to Amir Smith-Marset, I love him. I do, man. I hope there's a way to keep him. I just don't know the path. The Chiefs aren't keeping eight wide receivers. That is not happening. So barring Kadarius Toney being put on the IR for four games, whatever it would be, and again, this is all hypothetical here, I don't see the legitimate path for ISM. I know everyone wants to see him over Justin Watson, but in reality, when you're seeing wide receivers five, six, and now apparently wide receiver seven, their greatest attribute is going to be special teams. Justin Watson is a core special teamer. Now, I know Emir Smith-Marset is a backup punt returner. They might use him as a backup kick returner. I get all of that. It just feels like the Chiefs value what Justin Watson brings to the table. I don't know the legitimate path for ISM to make this roster as much as I am trying. I'm trying to do some algebra here, some calculus to make it happen. Yeah, I was doing the same thing, man. I opened up a Google Doc during the second half and I was writing down the names of all the wide receivers. And look, for Amir Smith-Marset to make this roster, the guy that he's got to unseat is Watson. Uh, and, and that's if you think the Chiefs are keeping seven wide receivers. And right now, if you look at the Chiefs' depth chart, they've got Watson up the depth chart. He's He's been there. He's got more NFL experience. He's a very good athlete. Um, if you look at his combine profile, he wowed people. Um, you know, he played in the Ivy League, so he's still coming on as well. But I, I'm with you, man. Amir, uh, Amir it, it's Amir uh, pronunciation. I was looking at the book. Um, is um, 
he's very good. I mean, he's really showed out this preseason. He does have special teams ability, but I just don't know where you put him if you're the Chiefs. And, you know, if they were going to – they could look to trade him. I mean, if there's a team out there that is has seen what he's done in the preseason for the Chiefs and there's somebody – you know, they, they scout. Other teams scout these guys. They know about them. They don't get everybody they want. You could maybe move him. Maybe somebody takes a flyer. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. You have Washington on line one, and then you have the Bears on line two. The right. only issue is you're you're getting a seventh rounder, really. Yeah, yeah. That's you're not you're getting anything. You're getting another dart thrown, quite frankly. A lot of sixth, seventh rounders going forward for Kansas City. They're going to struggle to make this roster. This team is just so incredibly talented. When the roster cutdowns happen to 53, you're going to see a lot of legitimate NFL talent have to move on from Kansas City. This is not 10 years ago where if you got cut from that 53, your NFL career was over. You yeah. get cut from this 53, a good chance you're getting picked up by another team. As much as I would love to stash ISM on uh, the practice squad, he's getting picked up. He's getting snagged. There's no doubt in my mind. He is a legitimate wide receiver for bordering wide receiver three and that's all from what we've seen in the practice or in the preseason as well as training camp i mean he has legitimately blossomed the chiefs did a great job of getting a guy from the vikings who was raw they grew his talent to, to see what he is today and someone else is going to reap the rewards they were they were the farmers here yeah and look his calling card kind of coming into the league was that he was a good returner so you know he has that special team's ability and that's very valuable to teams throw in development as an actual wide receiver. And now you've got a chance to stick on a roster. I agree with you. I think they'll probably try to stash him on the practice squad. Good chance that somebody gets him though. If they have to, if they have to let him go uh, when they let him go and, and good for him. And look, that's what happens when you have a, a championship caliber team, you have more good. You, you're good at scouting. You're good at depth and you just don't have a lot of roster spots available, and other teams do. And I think you saw that in this game with the Cleveland Browns, who looked pretty good and competent early, and then as the game went on, not so much. And you could, and the Chiefs started putting up points, and you could see, like, boy, that the Chiefs are a lot deeper of a team than the Cleveland Browns right now, and that's why they're a perennial Super Bowl contender. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I see this question from just a guy it says, what has Watson done to be hated by Chiefs fans? He caught every ball thrown to him this preseason. Hey, I'm with you to an extent, man. Um, I, 
I like Justin Watson in a nutshell. I, I said, again, he is such a good floor piece. He knows all three wide receiver spots. He is a core special teamer. He can stretch the field. I, I think the issue with a lot of Chiefs fans is he wasn't drafted by Kansas City, and there's not really this feel-good story surrounding him anymore. I think his upside is fairly limited. I think to an extent he is what he is. And what I've said for a while now is he's a little bit like MVS. As far as on the offensive side of the ball now, he does special teams. MVS does not. But as far as what they bring to the table, they're very similar. They're almost a little bit of a duplicate, if you will. And so I think Chiefs fans are seeing some of these younger guys, these uh, maybe more higher upside guys, and they see the tantalizing potential. But again, sometimes you see tantalizing potential in the preseason. It doesn't pan out in the regular season. I'm a fan of Justin Watson. I just think the Chiefs have so much talent at wide receiver. It makes the cut down day extremely difficult. Yeah, you know, he's not the shiny new object. Like, we like new things. We like exciting things because that says to us untapped potential. That's why everybody's so excited about Justin Ross. What could he be? I think there's even a little bit of that. And Richie James is much more of a Watson than he is a Justin Ross and that, like, he's been on a team. He's been around for a minute. But people are looking at him and what he's done in the preseason. They're like, hey, maybe this guy, like, this guy's never been in, like, a really good offense with a really good quarterback. What can he do? And guy like Watson is, you're right. He he is what he is. He might improve a little bit, but like he's he's gonna be that kind of guy. And when you see somebody like Smith Marset going out there in preseason and lighting it up and keep and catching long balls and stuff and making nice jukes and everything, that's that's exciting. And you think, well, boy, man, what could that guy become? Probably his he, you know, he could become Watson. <laughs> right like that's probably the, the the situation here but who knows man sometimes teams miss on guys or sometimes they just don't have room for them and they go to another team and they have a really successful career and they reach their potential and i hope i hope that for him i, I hope he can do it in kansas city somehow some way let's talk about the defense for a little bit here what did you see um for me khalif halasi i always butcher his last name so i really much apologize i try my best i i, I always hate messing up last names i know Ramihio, he gave us a nice little uh, spelling on Twitter. I need Khalif Halasi to give me one as well. But he is really making a case to make this 53. In my opinion, he's slightly outshined Echo Boido this preseason. I like both those guys a lot. Whatever happens with Nick Jones and the fractured fingers, if he's forced to miss time, I think one of those two guys makes the act of 53. I think right now, if I had my druthers, I'm going with KH. What did you see from him? And what are your optimism or your optimistic levels as him making this uh, this roster? it's tough man i mean it's it's such a it's just such a deep position for the chiefs that it's a little bit like the wide receiver position at mm-hmm. defensive back it's like how are we going to fit all of these guys on the roster but he's been showing out reports from him out, out of camp have been good so again like is this a guy that's going to sneak in there or is he going to be a practice squad guy and i think that's you know is he going to be the new dicaprio boodle right yeah. like the guy h- hangs around and you know, I don't think Boodle's going to hang around anymore after this year. Although he did have the interception today. Um, so good on him. Still my favorite name of all the players on the Chiefs. But I think it's difficult. I think it's going to be difficult to, to break into the roster, especially considering the amount of draft capital that Chiefs have spent on the position. But another guy on defense who, who stood out for, who, who stood out for me the last couple of weeks is, um, is Fatu Kasi from oh, yeah. Rutgers. Yeah. Um, five tackles, a tackle for a loss, had a sack last week. He's a little bit of an undersized guy. Um, so, you know, he would have trouble with sort of bigger defensive linemen and stuff, but he's, he's flashed. 
a little bit. And he's another guy that you look at and you're like, maybe this guy could hang around, be a practice squad guy and develop into something. The Chiefs need people who can get in the backfield. And he's he's quick. I will say he has showed a little bit, especially for being in Kansas City such a little amount of time. It's, yeah. it's pretty impressive. I will say there was a plethora of injuries at the linebacker position. Leo Chanel obviously had the great fumble recovery. Uh, Deshaun Watson and his running backs could not get on the same page multiple times on those handoffs. And Leo was the uh, reciprocant of a nice fumble recovery, but he hurt his hip on that play. We did not see him again. I believe you saw uh, Futakasi as well getting injured and Jack Conkren. Linebackers were getting banged up in this game. Uh, and who knows? The Chiefs might keep five linebackers. I know when you do a lot of these lists, there's only four. You know, you're keeping Leo, Drew, Willie Gay, and Nick Bolton. But the Chiefs like to have you know, a special team linebacker, just just that just in case. Now, Brian Cook, bigger safety. I don't think you'll see him full on in any situation playing linebacker outside of um, certain sub packages. So I do think there's a chance for five linebackers. Who does that uh, spot go to? That does remain to be seen. I do see Jess Ferris. Always appreciate Jess in the uh, in the chat. Always appreciate on Twitter as well. Uh, Does anybody have any updates on Chris Jones? I wish I did. I, I really wish I did. Chris Jones is not a fun topic right now. You can tell Andy Reid is sick and tired of talking about it. But uh, no updates on Chris Jones. Yeah, and it's a bummer, man, because I thought he was going to be back early this you know last week. Training camp was over. All right, fine, get back one way or another. But it looks like things are set up to get ugly. I mean, this is it. Like, if he's not there on Monday, we have a problem. He's really he's really pushing the, the the envelope. We already have a problem. We already have a problem. Just, oh, just, yeah. just, I, just, just hear me out here just really quickly. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I get okay. very frustrated with uh, the particulars when people say he's in great shape. You can be in great shape. That ain't game shape. I'm sure almost every single person here in the chat, every single person who watches this video has played sports at some level. Growing up, a lot of you probably played high school sports, some of you even college sports. Imagine when you played in high school. Let's just say you got injured, you took a couple games off, you come back, what happens? You, you can still be in great shape. You didn't put on any weight. You've ate healthy. You're not sitting on the couch eating bonbons and drinking boxed wine and watching The Sopranos every single night. You're still working out. You're getting after it. But that first game back, what happens? Your legs aren't the same. You're just a little bit slow. You don't have the same uh, movement that you were used to having. That comes with game action. Chris Jones is going to come back, even if he comes back right now and plays against the, D- the Detroit Lions. How effective is he going to be? Not only that, when Emmett Smith had a two-game uh, holdout with the Dallas Cowboys, first game back, eight carries, 45 yards. Second game back, 13 carries for, for, I forget what it was. But it took time for him to build up that stamina. That's a guy who was staying in shape. Yeah. Now, look look, look at Chris Jones. This is a bigger-bodied guy. That makes me nervous. You can't simulate game reps, especially at that position, for goodness sake. Like, you know, Emmett Smith's out there running, cutting, and yes, he's taking hits. Chris Jones is is engaging in hand-to-hand combat with dudes every single play. He if he does come back on Monday, there's I, there's very little chance that he pay, he plays a full complement of snaps in week 1, maybe even week 2. They're going to have to ease him back in. And so that's already going to hurt the Chiefs a little bit. I think they'll be okay if they can get him on the field and have him in there in those key situations. But then you also have the injury concern, right? You're looking at him and you're like, ah, this guy's not stretched out. Like he hasn't really, like he didn't benefit from camp. I don't care how much he's working out. It's a concern. And so then you, and really it's at the point now where he's rolling the dice a little bit because if he's hoping to get paid at some point, well, what happens if you sit out, you come back right before the season starts, 
You're not playing the full complement of snaps. So you're not getting as many opportunities to rack up those stats. Try to get another, you know, uh, you know, try to get another all pro and all that stuff. Matt Verderham, who was on with me on Thursday, made a really good point. He's like, you know, um, Jones, like his best chance to get paid is right now. Like you're coming off. You just got 15 and a half sacks. Like you're not, he's not going to do what he did last season again. This, this season, he's going to have fewer. He's almost certainly going to have fewer sacks. The Chiefs may not win the Super Bowl. It's really hard to do. So he just had like the season you want to have to get paid. And maybe that's why he's so dug in. But at a certain point, you might need to look at the situation if you're Jones and say, okay, maybe the Chiefs are hardlining him at $28 million a year. And he might need to sit down and be like, all right, if I have, I don't know, 11 sacks next year and I become a free agent, am I going to get $30 million a year? Or am I going to get $28 million a year? He might not. The offers coming in might be like, yeah, you know, you're a year older now, uh, 26, 25. That's not, that's not what he's looking for. So it's going to be fascinating to see how the next week goes, especially with all these roster cuts and stuff we have coming up. Yeah, I, I will say I'm with Sean. Let's not turn this into another Chris Jones podcast. I'm sure you guys have heard enough about Chris Jones from us and from everybody else in the Chiefs sphere. Again, at this point, we are in a waiting pattern, a holding pattern, if you will. I do want to bring this up. Let's just say he's back week one, but even if he's back, he's going to be in limited action. Okay, let's just say hypothetically here. Charles and Minnehue is missing six games. That much we know. The defensive line right now is not in a great position. Tershawn Wharton has still been banged up with those knees. That has a that has massive concern written all over it. Derek Nottie has not shined at all. Keandre Coburn hasn't shined at all. And I get it, it's a six-round rookie. I understand this. But in regards to what the defensive line does against Detroit, because we are now 12 days away. I'm really bad at math. Okay, 12 days away. A guy like Josh Wakando, who actually had a nice game today. Yeah. Um, you know, a Malik an okay Heron, season, to be to who, be honest. Who, who is going to be the surprise guy that makes this team? Because with the Chiefs, again, not able to afford a veteran edge rusher because of the Chris Jones situation, there's going to be probably a guy who maybe shouldn't make the defensive line who will be getting snaps on the defensive line. Who do you think it is? Well, I you know, coming into the season, I, w- I wasn't – I wouldn't have been too high on Joshua Kando making the team. And now I'm looking at him and I'm in the situation and I'm like, maybe, maybe Kando's the guy. Maybe he's the one that steps up for them. And that doesn't mean I'm not saying he's going to go out there and have seven sacks or something, but maybe he provides that depth that they need. So he's starting to play well. And then I'm looking at Mike Dana, man. Like I know we know he's going to make the team, but I think he's the difference maker. Uh, a little undersized, but as a pass rusher, if he can really take it like one more notch higher than he has, he's been very good for the Chiefs. If he can take it one notch higher this season, it's going to ease the Charles Amenahue thing big time. And it's also going to enable the Chiefs to go a little bit slower with FAU if he's not ready to be out there a million snaps right away. I, I, honestly, I think Mike Dan is one of the most important people on the defense. Uh, for yeah. the Chiefs this year, especially early in the season. Yeah, I know, 100% with you. I mean, Dan is going to have to be the starter. I like FAU a lot, and he's shown out at least in bursts here, but how much are you going to put faith in a rookie edge rusher? I get he's a first-rounder, but it takes first-rounders, even high first-rounders. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau took him half the year. Karloff is half the year. I know Aiden Hutchinson had a good first game, but before he really got going, it was half the year. Yeah. Same thing with FAU. I, I think this defensive line for Kansas City, uh, when it comes to playoff time and his second half of the season, when Charles and Minihue's back, is going to be damn good. 
First six games, though, I am really nervous. I mean, does does Wise make this team? Yeah, does Kando Malik Herring make this team? I think Danny Shelton's now, you can probably pencil him in or put him in pen. Danny Shelton, uh, when he spoke to the media, that to me was my inkling. That was my uh, confirmation that we're going to see Danny Shelton make this roster. But again, there are just so many question marks. And with the lack of funds, the lack of ability to sign a veteran edge rusher, a veteran pass rusher on the defensive line in general, you're going to have to be stuck with what do you currently have. And again, moving a guy who maybe wouldn't make this team to a guy who's going to be getting legitimate snaps. Yeah, and the Chiefs have wise up the depth chart. You know, he's listed as the backup behind Chris Jones. So they, I know it's a preseason depth chart, but the Chiefs, their depth chart is generally pretty accurate. So in the preseason, so when you see that, uh, same thing with Danny Shelton. Um, Danny Shelton, Daniel Wise are your two reserve defensive tackles right now. I think they both make it, especially with the Chris Jones situation going on right now. And Wise has made some plays in the preseason too. Again, when you translate it into a regular season, you're probably not going to hear his name get called a lot. But as long as he can be serviceable, um, they're going to need that depth of the defensive tackle position because it is not their strong suit at the moment. I want to ask you an overarching question here, Patrick. So early in, in the regular season, typically they do a great job of, of starting off strong. They win a lot of games. But what we've seen in recent memory, preseason, even last year, slow starts, first halves. They come back and typically win a lot of games. They won today, down 22-3. to three, And I get his preseason. But this is, doesn't just stick to preseason. We saw it against the Houston Texans in the playoffs. We saw it against the New England Patriots before in the playoffs. We see it in the regular season. Are you a little nervous that the Chiefs could start off slow on such a exuberant electric day against the Detroit Lions? The banners are getting raised. No COVID, right? So we don't have the quarter of a crowd. It's going to be a packed house. Is there any worry to you that the Chiefs start off slow as they have the majority of this preseason? Yeah. You know, I'm not even that with, – with the Lions, I'm not even that worried that they're going to start necessarily that they'll start slow. But I think that the Lions are going to be so jacked up for this game. They know, like those guys over there know damn well what this game means, the fact that they're playing in it. And you know, Dan Campbell is going to be reminding them for the next two weeks, right? 12 days, whatever we have, about how big of an opportunity this is to go in there and play tough football and knock off the defending Super Bowl champs and spoil their victory party and all that stuff. So, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, the Chiefs are going to have to weather those first few punches from the Detroit Lions and they just can't make any big mistakes and they need to. And and then I think, you know, you get into the second quarter, things calm down, but we see this a lot when teams division rivals, the Raiders, somebody, they come into Kansas city, they're always extra jacked up and there's a lot of juice at the beginning of the game. And the chiefs just need to be ready for that. What they can't be is complacent and just assume where the chiefs, We'll take care of it because that's a talented offense over there. And if Chris Jones ain't there or he's only playing limited snaps, your pass rush is not going to be optimal in that game. And those guys are going to be able to hang points. So the Chiefs better be ready. Well, and because the Chiefs are in the same – they're what the New England Patriots. You remember the Cream Hunt game, right? That was the season opener for the Patriots. You know, all the celebration going on and then it gets spoiled. And I remember that very vividly because the Chiefs in that instance were similar to the Detroit Lions. It's we're trying to be here now. We're trying to be this team. We're trying to take that next step. We want to prove a point. And what better way to prove a point than on the season opener of the NFL? The Detroit Lions are going to come out, as you mentioned, just just on fire. They're going to be very, very physical. We know how the Detroit Lions played the Chiefs before they had this talent. 
they were always a physical team. They try and get in your head for better or worse. They're like Reggie Miller. They're holding your jerseys. They try and get in your head. Yeah, it's what they do. Remember when the Chiefs had was it four fumbles in that one game? They're gonna punch the ball. I know Travis Kelsey's getting pissed off that it's happening in, in training camp, right? Yeah. But Travis Kelsey and the wide receivers keep a hand on the ball. They're gonna be peanut punching those bad boys out. That's what they try to do. Don't be surprised if the Lions in that game every time Travis Kelsey catches the ball, somebody tries to punch the ball out of his hand. Like after the play, I mean, don't be surprised. People see those clips. They're going to try to get under your skin. They're going to look for any edge they can. And like, again, Jared Goff, like he's, he's a guy, he can, he can sling it, man. You've got to get pressure on him. So I expect Spags to have a lot ready to go. Some new exotic blitzes for this game to try to have Goff get off to a slow start and become the bad Jared Goff. You don't want him to get going and become the Jared Goff we saw in that classic game when he and Mahomes squared off when he was with the Rams. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say for everyone who was just now joined, who didn't start with us, uh, we all agree. We got LaMichael P. Ryan. He's on the up and up. We got Justin Ross on the up and up. We have ISM on the up and up. Potentially, if there's any chance for him making the roster. Some guys on the way down. I think you got to have CH on the way down. If we're doing a little stock market show and buy, buy, buy and sell, sell, sell. I'm selling hard on Daenerys Prince right now. I think I'm selling a little bit on Shane Bouchelle as far as being the legitimate backup. I think that's that's the way I would go. I think Blaine Gabbert, I'd be buying some stock in Blaine. Just for everyone joining right now, wanted to catch you guys up to speed. I think I'm probably buying on Wise making the roster as far as what I think is going to happen with Charles Menehu for sure missing six games and the question marks regarding Chris Jones. That's the way I see it right now. And oh, by the way, I think I'm starting to buy a little bit more into Prince Tego Inogo. He looked damn good at left tackle. And that to me was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, and he's... You know, as of the last depth chart, he was ahead of Wanya Morris on 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 the depth chart. Now, I don't Wanya Morris isn't going to the practice squad, so uh, that could be a good sign and tell you a little bit of where the Chiefs' heads are at in, in terms of what they want to do with their tackles. But then, but then, how do you feel about Lucas Niang? Like, how many how many tackles do you see him keeping? If they keep Donovan Smith, Jawan Taylor, are they going to keep keep Prince, Lucas, and Wanya? Well, so when I did my 53-man breakdown, if you're going to keep seven wide receivers and if you're going to keep five linebackers, at an absolute max is nine offensive linemen. You can't keep 10. I know a lot of times Andy wants to keep 10 on both sides in the trenches. You can't do that. You have to go nine and nine. And with the offensive line, you obviously have the starting five. Wanya Morris is there. He's a lock. Um, I think Nick Allegretti is a lock. That leaves you two spots left. Where do you go with those two spots? Prince Teguinogo or Lucas Niang? Because I think Wanya Morris does give you the ability to where he can play right tackle and left tackle. Niang is so much of a question mark that I don't know how much you can trust him. I think Darian Kennard makes it because I think you do keep two guards and the ability of Nick Allegra to play center. So I don't think Austin Ryder makes it. So that basically comes down to Niang and Prince Teguinogo. Which one do you pick? Do you pick the guy who can play left tackle, who you kind of know who he is in Prince Teguinogo? Or do you take Lucas Niang, the guy with higher upside, but who has been injured a lot in his career and you just don't know what he is? I think that's the, the question the Chiefs come down to is you go with the known or do you go with the unknown, uh, the unknown commodity? I will say at whoever's going to be probably your ninth offensive lineman, you're probably leaning upside. That makes it a little bit more difficult in my estimation for Prince Teguinoga, although he did show out. Yeah, you know, and Brett Veach said it when he was interviewed during the game today that they're, they're really – what they're trying to do is keep the most talented players. Now we know that there's going to be certain situations where they're not going to be able to do that, but 
that's what I think you have to think of when you look at this. And it may just be that Lucas Nyang's time has come to an end, especially if they, they've been developing Prince for a while now. If they like him, they've, if they've got him at this point on the depth chart, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And the other thing to remember, if they do decide to keep uh, go a little lighter on the tackle position, is uh, they got Joe Tooney, who they know in a pinch could slide into that left tackle spot. So he's he's sort of like your your swing. You you got him at the guard position, but you you got him there as an emergency break glass tackle. But but wouldn't that almost hurt? At least I want to ask you this: Wouldn't it hurt? Prince Teguanogo in that instance, because you have uh, Donovan Smith, you have Joe Tooney in a pinch, and I do think you would have Wanye Morris as well be able to play left tackle. Now on the right side, you obviously have Juwan Taylor, but you obviously have Wanye Morris as well. And if you want to keep keep it balanced, then I think Niang would have the nod there because Niang would be your right tackle and Prince Teguanogo the left. I don't know your thoughts here. Uh, yeah. Does that almost help, though, Niang in this instance? It's it's tough, right? Because it it really comes down to how they feel about the interior guys and the depth there and what they want to do and how many how many interior guys do they want to have depth wise? Um, I'm not sure, man. I like it's going to be that's probably one of the more fascinating ones that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about, and it's hard because we don't get to see you know if you're not there at camp, you don't really get to see these guys and getting all seeing all the reps that they get. So sitting here on a podcast, kind of trying to really drill down and compare. Prince to Lucas Nyang, like hey, I was at off- camp. I, mean, I was at camp, and it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going off such a limited sample size here, um, but they've got you know they're they're really good coaching staff. So I think at the end of the day, just trust whoever they go with, and it just might be that with Lucas Nyang, now that they've got Wanye Morris, and they're pro- look, they're going to feel a lot more comfortable putting Wanya Morris at right tackle. Like if something were to happen to one of the tackles, like if something were to happen to Donovan Smith, they may seriously consider moving Joe Tooney to left tackle and leaving Wanya Morris as the backup Um, because they might feel like, hey, it's going to be easier for us to plug the middle than it is the edge and at left tackle. Now, if something happened to Juwan Taylor, then I might they might put Wanya Morris back there. But do you want a third round rookie guarding Patrick Mahomes blindside? Probably not an ideal situation. So don't be surprised, but let's hope it doesn't happen. Uh, Shout out to the gaming bros for the super chat. Thank you so much for that. Super chat says, I can't wait to go through another season with all of you. Love you guys. Love you guys too. Seriously. This is so much fun. You guys, but you see Rory here from Ireland. Oh, guys, we just had Notre Dame versus Navy uh, play a game in Ireland tonight. Uh, Your afternoon, the NFL is growing. That's a college game. But cool. It's still sweet. It's still sweet, right? I would have loved to have gone to that. Navy, Notre Dame, Notre Dame in Dublin. I hope the Irish fans had a great a great time at that one. I didn't even see the final score. I'm, it looked like Notre, Notre Dame was going to kill them. I would have rooted for Navy so hard. It's incredible. Oh, I would really? have rooted for Navy, oh, you're, without a doubt. You're a big anti-Irish guy. It's uh, it's still the fourth quarter. It's 42 nothing. Notre Dame. No, I like, the, I, like, I like the Irish. I just don't like Notre Dame. Um, get a conference. Come on. Grow up. I agree with that. I agree with that. Nobody cares. It just comes off arrogant. So it's like, just join a conference. I want to say something. And if there's kids listening, earmuffs, please. Earmuffs, kids. Okay. Harrison Butker's f***ing back, dude. Yeah. Butker is back. He's been nailed. He's healthy. He looks good. And I said this last year, too. He was never healthy. I I do a weekly show a lot of times with Nick Lowry, uh, Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker, and, and great dude. 
But he even said, you know, for a while, he it takes a long time to get comfortable post-injury. He had his own, you know, ankle injury. It takes a long time before you feel fully healthy and comfortable. He had the entire offseason to get right, to get to get back to where he was. And you see him now. It just looks so comfortable. He looks so smooth. Butkers, I think, is back to being a top three kicker and probably top two behind Justin Tucker in the NFL. Yeah, hit a 44-yarder today. And he's, you know, he's going to go down, especially if the Chiefs win another one this year, as one of the great kickers in Chiefs history. And he's going to be one of those guys. You th- I mean, the, the, the clutch kicks in particular that he's made, although he was he's had his inconsistencies at times, and some of that, as you pointed out, due to injury. Boy, when they needed him to hit it to send him to the Super Bowl, man didn't miss. When they needed him to hit it, granted, it was not a, a long field goal, but like, yeah. He's got the wheelbarrow out, like you know. That was the stones. Team. That was the uh, the old Eddie House or uh, was Sam Cassell. I think Sam Cassell's stone celebration. But uh, yeah. we'll go with the wheelbarrow. Yeah, <laughs> I like the wheelbarrow. I think that that one was on South Park. I think um, <laughs> such a crude crude joke. But yeah, look, this team's looking good, man. They're looking really really good. The next. 24, 48 hours are going to be really interesting. Now's a good time, even if you're not a social media person, to just get on Twitter or X as it's called now, just so you can follow along. Now, what you should do is is bookmark arrowheadaddict.com and our guy, Matt Connor, just as he is right now, writing furiously. He's going to have a tracker. He'll be, he'll be all over everything. But remember, it's not just the guys that the Chiefs are going to cut. It's going to be the guys that they're going to go after and pick up. Brett Veach again said it during the game. Hopefully, there's some guys out there that we can keep, we can we can get to keep strengthening this roster. You know, our our uh, Smith Marset, right? That might be gold for some team that needs a wide receiver. There's another team out there that's maybe stacked at defensive tackle, and they're going to have to let go of a guy they don't want to let go of. Maybe the Chiefs swoop in. So, just as they pointed out in the broadcast about how. You know, the practice squads have expanded. There's 16 guys there. You can put some veterans on it now. It's different. Like, you don't know who's going to be contributing to this team come December. There, it could be a guy in the Vikings right now. So it's a really good time of year to look around the league, see who's getting cut, see who other fans are talking about. It's I, I always have fun during these these few days because uh, now now is when, like, it's over. If we're going to trade for somebody, we need to do it now. We need to get them in. So everybody's hands are forced. It's a shitty time for the guys in the league, the ones that are on the roster bubbles and all that stuff uh, and seeing dreams end. But for fans, it's there's a lot of activity and a lot of movement. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, a couple of questions or a couple of comments I want to get to. Uh, Sean says, glad Thornhill had a moment. Yeah, that was awesome. He knew what was going on. The second that Shane Bouchel, uh dropped back, rolled to his, uh, his left, I guess, and yeah. uh, the running back was covered. Not fair. Thornhill, Thornhill was like, yeah, Cheated. I know what's about to happen right now. And, yeah. and did you see his thing, celebration? Well, he I did. love the tomahawk yeah. chop, and then, and then he, he gave the heart to Casey. So yeah. shout out one Thornhill. That was a that pretty was cool. cool moment for him, as well as giving a shout out to the fans. Josh says, love how we grabbed Butker from the Carolina practice squad. Dude was a hidden 5K diamond. True that. True yeah. that. Man, I can't wait. 12 days from Chiefs. Opening day, NFL opening day. I am so incredibly excited. This feels like the deepest Chiefs team we have seen in the Mahomes era. I know we said that last year, but I'm saying it again this year. It feels like this team is just growing and growing and growing. 
the youth, uh, Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams growing into their own. Uh, the offensive line, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Juwan Taylor. I mean, you're seeing the growth from year one until now. Um, the wide receivers, I think Sky Moore takes a huge step forward. Richie James getting his first legitimate opportunity on a good team. Yeah. Man, I, I am I'm very excited for this year. This is, you know, they're turning into what you always dream about when you get a guy like Patrick Mahomes is that your team turns into a winning football factory. And it's hard to do, but where it's just like they switched out all the pieces except for a few core ones and the head coach and the GM, and it just wins, wins, wins. You take this guy out and you put this guy in and they win, win, win. And Brett Veach has done a tremendous job of finding talent all over the place. And if they're able to continue to do that, and really we're already there, they, they, they do have a chance to be a dynasty. They do have a chance to win a couple more Super Bowls, maybe more than that. I mean, it's crazy to say that, but look at what Patrick Mahomes has done so far in his career. It's preposterous. So what like even though we know that we know that the odds historically of them going back to back are incredibly small, they could lose in the AFC championship game again, an injury could all kinds of things can go wrong. If you're betting the Chiefs to the field, the smart money would be to take the field. But if I'm spending my money, I'm putting it on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I've never seen anything like these guys. Like, seriously, if you're betting with us this year. How can you not just be betting on the Chiefs to win every week? Like, hey, hey Patrick, earmuffs. F- the odds, okay? <laughs> Seriously, I, I'm putting my money on Patrick and the Chiefs over the rest of the NFL. This team is too good, too talented. Again, barring mm-hmm. injuries, the always is always a caveat. But seriously, this team is incredible. They have the best head coach in football, the best offensive mind in football. Truthfully, Andy Reid right now. Love Bill Belichick. Great, great mind. I think having Bill O'Brien, believe it or not, is actually to make that Patriots team better. Andy Reid is at the pinnacle right now. He's at the pinnacle of innovation, creativity, in the most offensive-driven era in NFL history. Yeah, he's the guy. He's the one you want right now. It's not Belichick anymore. Forget about the past stuff. Right now, going forward, you you want Andy Reid. By the way, Sterling, I'm going to the game, the opener. I'm landing in Kansas City at like on Wednesday night at like 11 o'clock. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna pick me up at the airport? I thought you were going to say something fun, like we're going to grab a beer, we're going to party, we're going to... Well, what do you I think we're going to do if, if you pick me up at 11 o'clock? Hang with Pac-Man Jones? I don't know. Where's Pac-Man Jones hanging we're, out? We're going out, but I don't know if that's too late for you. That's a that's a Wednesday night. I don't know if you got to work on Thursday, but I got, a tight, I got a tight turnaround. I'm coming in and then landing late, and then, you know, it's game day. But When do you leave? When do you head back? I, I do leave late on Friday. I'm flying out in the evening. Hey, Friday morning. You know what? We could, we could be pirates. What do pirates do? Lunch. Wait. What do what do pirates do? Drink rum in the morning. Come on, baby. Oh, I'm down. Well, we've already got we've already got a great moment of me drinking a martini the day after the first yeah, round. You of broke the draft. in my house. And you're, yeah, yeah, I broke in. Uh, listen, everybody, we gotta get going. Um, keep it here on the Arrowhead Attic YouTube channel. If you're new, make sure you're subscribed. If you're not subscribed to the audio version of this podcast, fire up your podcast app, Apple, Android, whatever it is. Make sure you do that. And make sure if you're in Kansas City, go to Casey Beer and get an Arrow Red Lager, for goodness sake. Not many podcasts have their own beer. When you can when you can combine your favorite podcast, your favorite football team, and your favorite beverage, 
That's paradise, baby. That's paradise. But make sure you keep it here. Make sure you're on arrowheadag.com, reading all the news that's to come over the course of the next four. It's going to be a wild 48 to 72 hours. So make sure uh, you keep it here. And if anything crazy happens, like we're not going to just, you know, we're not just going to hop on for anything. But like, you know, if Brett Veach goes, goes galaxy brain and trades for Jonathan Taylor, there'll be an emergency podcast. So make sure you've got your notifications turned on on the Arrowhead Ag YouTube channel so you don't miss when we go live. All right, let's get out of here. For Sterling Holmes, for producer Richard, helping us out on a Saturday again, my name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you guys next week for our regular schedule. But until then, as always, go Chiefs. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.